Welcome again to Punks on the Pitch podcast, the show where alternative music meets the beautiful game. And we're going to be sticking with that theme very much um, today. Going to be speaking about the kind of crossover between like the punk and metal world with the world of football um, to help discuss all these wonderful, wonderful crossovers. I'm joined once again by uh, editor of Astral Noise and Man United fan, but sporting a lovely Bob Villain shirt today, which we'll also be speaking about. Uh, George Parr. George, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for bringing me on. So this was kind of like inspired by the recent announcement from Malevolence, who had dropped a really nice bit of merch, which you'd flagged up to me, but I'd already kind of seen it and mm. already bought one by yeah. this point. Um, so Malevolence had announced they kind of had... Uh, teamed up with Nike to do like a limited edition football shirt essentially it's like got um, their own malevolated crest with weirdly like championship winning stars on it which I think is quite funny yeah (laughs) Um, but up until I think they're doing it until like the four well till tomorrow no, today, by the time this episode comes out, sorry. So, <laughs> sorry, you listened to this a bit late, but you can, like, customise, like, back print and, and whatever. And it kind of got me thinking, like, oh, this isn't the first time a heavy band has, has done a football crossover sort of thing. So I asked George to get his, his thinking cap on, and we thought we'd kind of talk about this a bit more broadly. But obviously, with you kind of wearing the Bob Villain shirt, the the malevolent shirt like i just kind of wanted to get your view of like what do you think of like band football merch crossovers i think it's cool like i mean i know that like with the bob villain one for example they've said when they when they launched it that um they're not like massive fans of football they just love the design of like football shirts because Mm. it is kind of cool and creative especially when you look at some of the like shirts over the years and the retro ones and like the iconic ones that stick in your mind you know there's uh there's it's it's quite a cool like look to a good well-designed football shirt you know and it's the same yeah. and merch i guess so the crossover is is quite good and also like since i play football i'm i'm always up for playing in like a unique kit you know like <laughs> yeah when i was a kid when i was a kid on the playground i used to ha- have like uh like Mexico shirts and just stuff like that because I, I wanted to be wearing something that no one else was like. <laughs> I was the same. So when I was like younger, we used to go like family holidays to France. Yeah. And without fail, every year I'd pick a team and I'd buy that shirt because I knew no one else in my school would have that shirt. Yeah. So I had like um, the old Lons half and half yellow and red. Awesome. I had an all. Orcs Air shirt with Cissé on the back before anyone knew who Gibriel Cissé was. Yeah. Um, what else did I have? I had like a really old PSG one. Like, um, I think it was even before they were sponsored by Opal. I can't remember what one it was. Yeah. But yeah, I had like all these like French shirts that like... Oh, I also had like the like a, like horrible aluminous yellow Dortmund <laughs> shirt that they oh, wore yeah. in the Champions League. So I was gonna get yeah. a Dortmund shirt. I went to Germany with with my school when I was a kid and I was like, I'm gonna get a Dortmund shirt. And like, God, they're so expensive over there. I was like, okay, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> I'll just get one and sport direct at home. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like as you say, these kind of it's almost like a kind of a unique kind of piece in some sense like i know obviously like artists that release them like bob villain malevolence Mm. they're obviously doing it to kind of uh widen their brand as well and like i know obviously like the with the bob villain one they said they're not necessarily football fans but with malevolence like just the way they dress in general i can kind of see that there probably is kind of crossover for them in the football and especially the fact they've like reached out to nike and mm, yeah that's nike are huge cool. in the football world as well like there's obviously this kind of crossover there um i think a good kind of one to start with is because it's a team we've mentioned before 
and it is a kind of been seen as a merch point in some ways, but they are an actual football team. Is Enter Shikari obviously sponsoring St Albans? Mm. Um, like I think it's quite interesting. So w- when I spoke to to Lee, their manager, obviously he said that he's seen loads of Shikari fans buying the St Albans shirt because they are treating yeah. it like like a piece of merch. But obviously St Albans are a, a non-league football team, so it's obviously for. For that one specifically, it kind of fits nicely with the punk ethos in terms mm-hmm. of like supporting one, supporting local, and two, supporting like your community and putting back into kind of like a DIY world, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, which kind of stands with their that band and their ethos as well. And like, they've always been a band that goes on about that. That's that, that's um, you know, like quite open about where they're from they talk about it a lot yeah try and get away from that a bit you know and like i think it's cool that again like it's quite a decent design shirt like it's not the fact like you've just got like a generic kit and then and shikari branded on it like Mm -hmm. they've designed it almost around the sponsorship of shikari because it's got like their the way that they write their logo and stuff and things like that and it's quite a for a non-league team it's a nice looking shirt and that's cool as well because like i was saying football shirts do look look cool if they're designed well and you often think of it as something where it's like you wear it because you support the team and you want to show that you support the team and stuff like that but it's also like there's some really cool designs that you yeah yeah because they're cool yeah and i think like as you just mentioned obviously that with them they've always They've never kind of like shy, like because obviously St Albans being Herefordshire, like they've never kind of said, "Oh, we're from Herefordshire." Like they've always prided themselves on being from St Albans. Mm. And um, I know that their bass player um, Chris Batten is is. I think I'm not sure if he still does, but I know he used to kind of like attend. St Albans games quite yeah. regularly and and things like that. So yeah, like I think not... they're still based there. Do you know what I mean? Like they haven't moved away from it. And there's like, oh yeah, we're from there, but we, li- you know, we're all in somewhere else now. Like they're still, yeah, yeah, really, you know, coming from there. And it's not like a kind of, or well, to some extent, it can be seen as like a publicity stunt, but it doesn't feel like. A publicity stunt at all like they've done it because they wanted to invest in their team their town their sorry their city and obviously like again talking to lee i know not all of the members of the band are big football fans but it's something that they wanted to kind of get behind and i thought it's quite interesting so there's a um like an article in NME that was written around the time about like the sponsorship and stuff. And there's a quote from um, the club's chairman who basically was kind of like, one of the key values of this football club is we always want to help the young people in St Albans. And Mm. they, they like the club themselves kind of obviously saw like how prominent and Shikari are in like the St Albans world especially in terms of like engaging with young people Mm. so for them it made perfect sense to like join with shikari because i I think from even like from a football perspective like you've got a kind of okay like st albans a non-league team but you kind of have to think like do we really want this band branded on our shirt sort of thing so it's cool that they've had faith in shikari in in that aspect as well yeah you'd have to do your research on the band for sure like you don't know what they sing about you don't know <laughs> what they stand yeah. for you know yeah you don't want like screwdriver sprawled across your shell yeah. like cool right well as i say like we've kind of stuck with kit so i'm gonna stick with another one that was one that I kind of came across when I was at university, and I know they've been a big part of it for a long time, um, is Banquet Records. They, again, non- with a non-league team, yeah. they um, 
they're another kit sponsor. They sponsor Kingstonians, which, like, I remember. So as well, yeah. So I moved to when I moved up to London in two thousand and seven. I think it was. God fucking hell, I'm old now. Um, but obviously, like getting to know like my local area and stuff like wanted to find out where like the local record shop shops were found banquet and i remember like walking into the store and they had like the kingstonian scarves and the shirt yeah. there and I, I like at the time i just thought oh that's like an unusual bit of like shop merch yeah i'm then surprised by that yeah but then realized like oh no they actually sponsor the team sort of thing mm. and like similar to to the whole enter shikari thing is they're so entrenched within the town that it just makes perfect sense and like for people that don't know like banquet records is it's quite a small shop like i know they expanded like a couple of years ago but in relative terms it's still quite small but they do so much in that town like yeah they have a they... big pool like online and and obviously locally they do a lot and it's weird because like when you're based in in uh, in like kingston you can basically like if you're a band from there you could basically just to to make things easier just be like yeah we're from london do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, but but they're quite but again you know they ingrain themselves in the the local kind of community yeah like and they could like they book shows they do like club nights they have in stores and things like that and so again again kind of like shikari is that sort of punk ethic of just sort of supporting local doing something a bit diy in terms of supporting the the local team sort of thing but then again on the flip side like the team have helped with them so i think like it was either last season or the season before um on the home shirt, obviously it had like Banquet Records and their logo, but then like the little subtext underneath was um, basically promoting the store that's that's in Eden Street in Kingston. Mm. But then the away one basically directed them to their like mail order stuff, which <laughs> I thought was a really cool little yeah. little thing to do. Yeah. So if you go to if you go see them home and away, then you'll get the full details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but yeah. again like I think it's cool that you have we have these like non-league teams that are again like it kind of goes back to the reason why like I wanted to highlight like non-league teams on this show because they're the punk of of the football world and it's yeah the DIY yeah and it's obvious to see why these crossovers happen at, at a lower level Mm. It'd, it'd be interesting to see if we ever see anything like this i guess like the closest you kind of have is st pauli but similarly is a beast on his own sort of thing. yeah but like similar to um how you know the music industry needs the diy bands coming through like football needs you know it needs the the bottom of the footballing pyramid to be there you know yeah as well so it's it it kind of ties into each other. There's more crossovers between football and and music and heavy music in particular than than you think. Do you know what I mean? Like you think of the culture around football, and like it just doesn't seem like something that would be ingrained in that at all. And it's something that like the culture around football, like the kind of you know lad culture and all that, is like something that almost put me off football for a while. Yeah, and agreed. when I realised that I could just be into football and you didn't have to be a part of that, then I was like, oh. I've been an idiot, like, wearing it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And even when I, I studied music journalism at uni, and at the time I was working in Crawley Town's ground, like, just oh, okay. the, doing the, um, like, the, the food. It was, like, my first ever job. And, um, you know, doing the food on match days and stuff, like, giving you a burger and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was on, that was mentioned, like, I don't know if they got my CV or something like that at uni. And when I went for my interview the guy was like oh so are you into football i was like yeah i like football and he was like okay that's quite good because when you get in the music industry you'll actually realize that like half the time what people are talking about is football like there's so many people in the music industry that are into football that in these meetings in the friendship groups inside like music and music journalism everyone's just chatting about football <laughs> like, yeah yeah 
So that was when I kind of realised that, you know, it's kind of a big thing. So, like, I was kind of the sim- similar. So, like, when I was, like, really getting into, like, heavy music and stuff and started, like, dressing quote-unquote alternatively mm-hmm. or whatever, like, at the time, like, me and my dad were season ticket holders at, at Fratton Park. Yeah. And I remember, like, obviously starting to wear, like, skinny jeans and mm-hmm. growing my hair out a bit and... Go, like being quite nervous, like going to Fratton Park because I'd, I'd still always wear my Pompey shirts. So I was like, no, 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 I'm still, I'm still, yeah, I had the into same football. kind of thing, yeah. But like, yeah, like after after a while, you're just like, no, it's just football, isn't it? Like, who, like, who gives yeah. a fuck? Yeah, it's like I've got, I've got a, a jacket with, you know, like um, band patches and stuff, but it's also got Little Man United and a Crawley badge on it and stuff. So like, I can yeah. combine the two, you know. Well, yeah, like kind of a similar thing. Like I've got. Like this is gonna make me sound super lame, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> like when I walk my dog, I've got like a little like bum bag that's got like a straight edge X on it, but it's also got St. Pauli badge. And okay, yeah. like St. Pauli are like the punkest football team around, but it's still making yeah. that connection sure, yeah. sort of thing. That's cool. Um, I'm not gonna go on about too much about St. Pauli because St. Yeah. Pauli is very obvious in what why they're a punk team and why their crossover is but i like just because i've brought it up i think they sort of are one of those teams like again kind of like banquet it's almost the flip like in terms like the team do a lot for the community and i know that there's like music venues and stuff within that district in hamburg that are almost like st pauli affiliated Mm. um so like i can't remember the exact name of it now but there's a couple of venues that like you go in and they have like the skull and crossbones like yeah as soon as you go in so you know like it's not just the fact that it's like because like you see like pubs and stuff always have like their local football team like like flags and stuff yeah yeah away day yeah yeah but it's not it is the fact that like St. Pauli have like invested in these venues, which yeah. I think is really cool. And um, when I had Connor from Cult Dreams on, I think he was saying like the Millentor Stadium actually has like a recording studio in it. Yeah, that's I remember hearing that one. That was awesome. Yeah, which I think like is really really cool. Um, just to kind of like a nice sort of segue from your like saying about like the laddish culture, mm. I think like. A team that well they're not really a team but they are a team um who embody everything that is kind of like the crossover between football and and the music scene i'm assuming it's pronounced real gothic rather than real gothic fc mm-hmm. but they're like a, essentially like a charity football team um i think they're based in norfolk i couldn't yeah i know no, we'd be North Yorkshire. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they only play like twice a year, and they play like they usually play at um, the Whitby Goth weekend, which I really want to go to one year because I've seen <laughs> like videos and stuff, and it just looks brilliant. But this is essentially yeah. a broad podcast there. <laughs> yeah. But it's literally like a team made up of people who identify as like goths and stuff. Like mm. their recent team photo isn't as gothy as it used. To. Like this, I'm yeah. not diminishing it, but I remember when I first heard of this team. Like I think it was maybe four or five years ago, and their lineup was just as like I think their goalkeeper had like super long hair and just like eyeliner and stuff yeah. like that, and it's just like awesome. <laughs> and obviously like their kit is all black yeah and things like that so i think they're a really cool and like they did like they raise money for charity and which again is a, like a very kind of punk ethos in terms of like what we see a lot of like bands do around like specific kind of like merch things they'll like do sort of like limited runs for charity or they'll do like charity singles and, and things like that so yeah i thought this was a a really cool little 
little things to do and just sure i think uh yeah so they do um the whitby weekend apparently i've just looked it was actually an idea of their like local newspaper like to have you say it was whitby as well yeah yeah because i i have been there once and actually that makes sense because i think that's the place where I'm going to actually quickly Google this, but yeah. So if you Google Whitby Abbey, it's like the, um, like the ruins on the sort of cliffside, which is supposed to be the inspira- inspiration for like Dracula, like where he arrived in. Oh, okay. So it kind of makes sense. It ties in with that a lot. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I think, just looking now, so it's, I think they're, yeah, their local newspaper editor at the time, and like he had like a team, and then the guy who originally sort of like started Rail Gothic basically started having a conversation of like, we want to have a kick, a kick about, mm. and then yeah, it became this like biannual thing that they do once at the at the Whitby Goth Festival and then so I think just, they just did like one other game a year sort of thing um, and just uh, quickly looking they've the charities they work for obviously they kind of work in tandem with with the Whitby Gazette um, but they do one for the Willow Foundation and SOS Children's Villages which is always cool to see supporting mm. like children's yeah. charities and stuff definitely um on a bigger sort of like scale in terms of like personalities that like you mentioned obviously earlier, like getting into the the music industry and people that will talk about sort of football and, and things like that. Um, one that you, before we started recording that you mentioned that I'd completely forgot. And I've actually mentioned them on this show before because um, Max Cavalera appeared in one of our Fantasy Elevens, mm. but is like Sepultura slash Soulfly because of of the love of the Cavalera brothers, love of football and Brazil, their nation in general. Yeah, and and kind of going back to that sort of like merch sort of feel that like both Sepultura and Soulfly did like brazil national kit like replicas for for each perspective band which i thought was like especially when i was like younger and soulfly so it must have been like what when did soulfly self-title come out like 99 early 2000s probably early 2000s because i'm trying to think like roots was like 96 yeah but yeah yeah, so it might be before that yeah so like I yeah either way I was like quite young and like it was as as I mentioned earlier I was still like very into my football when I was like starting to get into heavy music so when you see like a heavy band do like producing like band merch uh, which is related to football you're like it is again it's that click of like oh it's not weird to like both sort of thing yeah and and like I think it's really cool that there's something that they're really sort of like intertwined with and like they actively kind of like speak about football and and things like that which i think is really cool yeah and we spoke about that they did that cover of that song that's about football it's it's not in english but if you translate the lyrics like it's it's very like explicitly about football and Mm. i think there's like there's like a world cup mix of that for like the 2002 world cup and yeah yeah so and and um, I mentioned as well, Igor Cavalier is like a big Arsenal fan. I don't know if it was yeah, before yeah, yeah. he moved to the UK, but I know he lives in London now, so that makes sense. And he um, he was wearing like the retro sort of style kit they had as their away kit last year or the year before, whenever it was, like when he played with, with Max again on their like reunion tour um, recently as well. Yeah. Is, yeah. So, but yeah, like... It is you see these sort of like creeping moments of these, like I guess like they're within like the world of like metal and heavy music. They're sort of like bigger names 
and obviously with Sepultura and Soulfly, it's their national country, which mm. is quite like I guess patriotic in some aspects. But I think like Brazil is obviously synonymous with football anyway, so yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, big thing there from on a on a on a you know same here like on a small level up to the the national team, you know. Yeah, um, but on a kind of a, a more let's say like regional sort of point of view two two people very much big in the metal scene but supporting the same team one that you flagged up to me and one that i've mentioned um so is it i come i can the dude from black sabbath i'd never know how to say his name oh, what geezer butler that's it i never yeah. know if it's geezer or great grazer but yeah mm. so geezer butler black sabbath aston villa fan um uh, Barney Greenway from uh, Napalm Death, also an Aston Villa fan, both big Brummies, yeah. but ones that wear the claret and blue on their sleeve. And yeah. like you mentioned, um, Geezer obviously wax out a, a Villa base, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, he, he has a, ba- a base that, like, the, the colour all over it, like the print. Um is is the villa colors with the logo and it says avfc on it and he he when i saw them on the the end tour you know their last tour um in london and he he goes off stage you know stage for the before the encore and comes back out with it and they do like paranoid and stuff with it which was uh which is just awesome and it's kind of cool as well because especially with that being their final tour like their their roots are such a big part of their kind of story and their um I don't know, just their image, like the idea that they're from this kind of industrial sort of area, you know, um, where it was like, if they didn't make it in a band, they'd be working in factories. And and, yeah. and it's always been said they're from Aston, you know, so it's like, it, it felt like a way of, and they, this ties into what we were saying about football teams being like ingrained in the community and the local areas and stuff. And obviously, with a team like Villa being quite, you know, a big team historically, then it 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 does that in a big level and in, in a big way in that area. It kind of was nice in that it it showed that he you know supports football, he supports this team, but also kind of felt like it was a way to pay homage to their roots at the same time because they're obviously mega rich compared to where they were then, and it's you know you feel like especially Aussie, they're not really going to be living in an area like that now yeah yeah it felt kind of you know like a like a yeah it's football but it's also kind of like ingrained in the community and i think that is almost a way of showing that how how important football teams can be for for their area you know yeah and i think like just to like touch upon with like barney again Mm -hmm. like i find it like he's again he's won this sort of like very sort of vocal that the fact is like no we're from Aston rather than like mm. Birmingham or the Midlands which is very like could be very easy to say so like like we were kind of saying with bands from like Kingston or whatever they could easily say they're from London yeah. where like they're very like no 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 this is the area we're from and like Barney's even like been featured in like 442 which is like mm. yeah probably the biggest footballing publication uh, Napalm Death are one of the weirdest bands for that as well that they get like they get so much coverage on on weird weirdly big and non metal you know <laughs> publications and and yeah. radio shows and TV shows and stuff but like, I think that's go to for that but I think that's really cool the fact yeah. that like he's not afraid to like obviously Napalm Death are a massive band nowadays, mm. but he, he's not afraid to kind of step outside of his comfort zone and be like, no, this is my world as well. Like, I may run around on the stage like a lunatic and scream like a fucking banshee, but mm. I still love this sport kind of thing. And like, there's a quote in like the interview that he did that was like, I've come from a fam- family of Villa fans. So, and it's just sort of like the only person in my family who's a Birmingham City fan is my uncle just to piss my granddad off <laughs> which I think is fucking brilliant <laughs> and like um, there's another bit where in the 442 interview where the person who's sort of like interviewing him was sort of like oh well 
do you still like sing when you go to go to matches and he's like fucking course i do like why yeah. wouldn't i it's just like <laughs> he doesn't uh, sound there screaming <laughs> yeah um the screams and lyrics yeah but that's like yeah so again kind of like on the top scale of things we have these kind of big personalities and i think the most sort of well-known and obvious one but this is a club i didn't realize this until doing a bit more re- reading into it i thought it was always just like the band side of it but no this is a club endorsed thing as well for, and for a premier league team okay like iron maiden are probably one of the biggest rock metal bands in the uk or the world mm. but to team up with a premier league team is like for the premier league like for west ham to kind of take a punt and be like no we're gonna do an iron maiden kit mm. that's quite a bold move because like not okay like there's there will be crossover but like not every west ham fan is going to be an iron maiden fan yeah so like it's fair play to west ham for for taking that leap and being like no we're we're gonna we're gonna team up with them and do a cool looking shirt which is like especially for them which is mm. which i think it's is cool. cool you wonder how stuff like that comes about but i guess i made and have a big kind of brand now like like i know like like their beer like trooper and you see it everywhere and you see it in places that isn't aren't specifically you know like ingrained in metal or or that culture or anything it's mm. kind of just transcended you know iron maiden almost so i wonder if it's kind of you know, if they got it off the back of stuff like that, or whether it is literally just a kind of one of those weird things that comes about. Yeah, and I think like so. Just so this was last year, two thousand nineteen, that they kind of officially they like they'd done other stuff in the past, but this was like the newest iteration of it. And I think it's quite like so. The brand of this this kit is called Die with Your Boots On, which I think is quite <laughs> cool. Um, but. Obviously, they had members of of Maiden. Uh, so um, Steve Harris from Maiden's like the main guy that's kind of promoting it. But they did it with um, Pablo Zabaleta, which I thought was really cool. So you had Harris and Zabaleta like in these like photos of them both wearing the shirt. Yeah. And there's a quote from Zabaleta, which like is I think just sums up like how big Maiden are because like so Zabaleta's Argentinian mm. and the quote said I Maiden a huge a, a huge icon back home in South America um and it's great for fans of West Ham and the band to be able to show their support for both mm. which I thought was a really nice kind of thing like him saying like I'm from South America like I'm not from London but I still know who I Maiden are and I know how important they are to English culture mm. And to West Ham, and it's cool that we can bring these these two things together. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, I think that's kind of all the ones we wanted to sort of touch upon. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I know there's probably loads more we're missing. So if anyone who's listening has any that they want to recommend us, then please do. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram, punks on the pitch, punks with an X. Um, I'll probably put something up on Instagram that you can like message and whatever. But yeah, I thought this would be like a little, little side joint from our usual format, just to kind of bed home our the reason for us doing this show. Inside. Yeah, it's a fun thing to have a chat about because there's so much crossover. Like there's there's so, there's got to be so much other stuff that we barely even touched. So we are going to talk a bit more football now. Obviously, we've been talking about the music side of things. Um, I've had George on a few times, but obviously talking more about his beloved Manchester United. But there's a there's another team that is very near and dear to your heart. You've mentioned it a moment ago, saying you used to work there. So who are we going to be talking about, George? This is Crawley Town. <laughs> so... ETFG. Like, 
because you do you live in Crawley? Yeah, I live in Crawley. Um, I was I lived here like basically all my life. I went away for uni, but other than that, I've always lived in Crawley. Yeah. So when did you kind of start going to to matches there? Um, well, when I was a kid, like I used to go with my dad. My dad's from like near Manchester, which is why he's a United fan. Yeah. Um, but when he moved down here, he started going just to the local team, just for you know, because they were. He's a football fan, you know, um, and basically really got into it. And he still goes and has a season ticket and everything. Um, and they've become like his second team behind United. And I guess the same thing's rubbed off on me, really. I used to go with him as a kid. I watched us get promoted from being a non-league team, you know, and getting into the conference for the first time. I saw us, you know, do that. And um, yeah, it's just been... It's been a they're they're a weird team to support, like <laughs> you know a lot of ups and downs, like weird, weird so many weird sort of chapters in Crawley's like story, <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's great to have like two teams and, and especially have them like quite far apart in the 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 football league, but so yeah. both be in the football league and also it's kind of weird they both play in red and then they both use the nickname of the Red Devils as well. Like both oh okay, I didn't realize that. So it's kind of like it almost feels like one team in a, in a in a kind of way. Like, yeah, and I think it's weird. So like, even though they're in League Two, like I always forget that. Like, and I, I like for me, I always I still kind of equate them as being a non-league team, which is, yeah, I know I shouldn't. But no, it's, like, it's fair enough. Like. By all rights, we shouldn't be where we are. Like we, we basically we had just this weird period. We were we got into the conference and and managed to be just about good enough to stay there, and that was kind of just where we were. Do you know what I mean? That's who we were, just a conference team, and and basically several several years ago now, um, a guy who who used to invest in the club throughout his life as like a sort of lifelong fan of the club, um, called Bruce Winfield when he was quite old. Like supposedly the story, I, the way I was told it anyway, is one of his investments um, like in China or somewhere like that um, suddenly came good and he made a ton of money and he basically put it right back into Crawley. And and I just remember that season where, because we weren't told any of this at the time, we were just sort of like, it's, you know, one season's over and another one's about to start, you know. And and through, through that summer... Um, I remember just like I was always keeping an eye on like the Crawley website and stuff because um, it wasn't really big on social media then like it wasn't really the place to go for news like it is now yeah yeah it was just going straight to the Crawley site and like every day it was like we've signed this player we've signed this player um this guy from the old team is as you know we've we've moved him on like cancelled his contract all this stuff and we're like who are these people we're signing and you look them up and it's like we signed the top three um the top scorers in the conference from the year before, all of the top three as our as our new strikers, and all these other players, you know, from from the conference and from from League One and League Two, and we're like, where's this coming from? Do you know what I mean? And suddenly <laughs> yeah. it went on, and we and that season we like we broke the the record for the most amount of points in the conference. Um, we went on like a, a iconic like FA Cup run and play um, and got to the fifth round and played Man United. Yeah, so yeah, that was the only time I've been in the away end at Old Trafford because I just thought it'd be good to go with Crawley for that one, like, and and only lost one 0 as well. And I remember like Alex Ferguson, because um, he he was still the manager at United at the time, said um, like a lot of these players could be playing in the conference, like in the in yeah. the match interview. But you know, we somehow managed to build this team, and we went up into League Two, and we did briefly get into League One and finish quite high up in the, the top half of League One. And and ever since then, basically, the money kind of went dry and we've just kind of like, you know, plateaued. At, at, we went back down and sort of have leveled out as a as sort of mid-table League Two team. And that's kind of where we're at now, basically. Yeah. And obviously, you mentioned that sort of FA Cup run. Mm. And I think like when we were talking about like putting this episode together, I thought kind of like I mentioned it to you, that kind of bringing it back to the sort of, punk DIY sort of side of things you were mentioning that you had people kind of crawling out of the woodwork sort yeah. of things did you want to tell a bit more about that <laughs> yeah when we got to when we got to uh to play Man United when they when we got drawn against them at the time I was like a season ticket holder and you got priority for cup games and stuff 
and, and we got through against United and suddenly all these people were like, oh, I've got to go watch like Crawley at Old Trafford. And all these people had never been to a Crawley game. Um, I was getting messages from people like like family, friends and people I was in primary school with and people I hadn't spoken to in years saying like, because they knew that I was, you know, a season ticket holder at Crawley because I was po- always posting about them on Facebook at the time. And um, they were just messaging me like, how can we get tickets? Like, can you get us a ticket and stuff? And you had like a select number you could get. So I was like, I can't get you all tickets. You yeah, have yeah. To go queue up. And like, I remember seeing the photos of the, the car park uh, the ground was just absolutely packed with all these people trying to get tickets to go see them um, against United, and and Man United had to they extended the uh, what, the um, the what's normally the the away stand because they knew not many United fans were going to go see them play some team most of these, their fans have probably never heard of so they just made the away end bigger and let all the Crawley fans in and we took like ten thousand fans and our home ground now. Um, after being extended, uh, expanded, only seats six thousand or yeah, you're standing, um, not seated. But so, so our biggest attendance is an away game. <laughs> yeah. so all these people who you know, like like my like my mum came with us to see oh, wow. to see Crawley play Man United just because it was such a big event. Like I don't know if she'd been to a a Crawley game before, certainly not in years because she's not really a football fan. Um, like it was just one of these things that everyone was like, we've got, we've got to go. Like, you know, we, we had a special yeah. kit for it as well. Um, unfortunately it was sponsored by the sun, but we had a kit that we only wore for that game um, and everything. And like, oh, you know, that shit, yeah, I remember that in, now. In Cause the there was a whole thing. In, Cause like my dad used to read the sun mm. and I remember there was like this whole thing yeah. around it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah remember they, that they, they got really involved for some reason and sponsored the team for that game. And, and, um, it, yeah, it was just it was just a really strange time, like kind of exciting as well, but but pretty cool. And I think it's so. There's a, a weird. I didn't even realize this until like doing a bit of reading before this this episode. Hmm. There's a weird like connection between Portsmouth and Crawley in terms of like that year when you say like they bought all these players. Hmm. So they're like one of the the top goal scorers you mentioned, Matt Tubbs. Yeah, he he went on to play for Portsmouth. Uh, that, and, guy, like, that guy was such a local legend at the time, Matt Tubbs. Like, yeah. Yeah. He but scored he's some, still... some important goals. In that cup run as well, he scored against Hull to beat them, scored against Torquay. Um, he oh, he tried an overhead kick at Old Trafford. It hit the bar <laughs> as well. Oh, no, no, not hit the bar. Um, I think it was like it hit Wes Brown's head and went over and it should have been a corner, but they didn't, they didn't give it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember I that. Remember that. But yeah, like I thought it was quite funny, like because I, I, when I was like doing the reading, I was like, I know that name, mm. and I clicked on him, and like there it was, put yeah. like Crawley Towns, sixty-five appearances, forty-nine goals. That's and so then weird that you bring him up because uh, he was just such a like you know like I I'd like I had my my old Facebook picture when I when I was younger was me with Matt Tubbs outside the ground. Brilliant, that's like, so good. And 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 recently as well, like during the first lockdown. Um, this year, Crawley streamed um, a lot of their games from that season because it's like our, you know, most famous season um, on on Twitch. So we were watching like old games from that season, going, yeah, I remember that, I remember that. And afterwards, they were doing like interviews with different people, and one of them was like with Matt Tubbs, and like he speaks so fondly about that that time as well. Yeah, but yeah, so he obviously still banged in the goals because when he came to us, so that what's that, 2012, 13, 14, 15. So three years later, he kind of had spells like on loan at various clubs. He came to us from Bournemouth, which I didn't realise he was at Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 13, 39 appearances, 14 goals. So still pretty decent because yeah. we were, He's we would have been... Just a talented goal scorer. Yeah. I think we would have been in League One then, maybe? No, yeah. Mm. I can't remember well, he, it, it, I, I know that like we just couldn't hang, hang on to him forever because he was doing so well for us for him. Yeah. Ages. You know, it's like inevitable that he was going to try and make a step up and at some point. But he's all, almost be, kind of come a bit of a, a local legend down here. So like obviously from Portsmouth, like apart from a speller at Forest Green, he's kind of stayed down south. So he mm. played like did a little bit of stint in Sutton, but played for Eastleigh. 
play for Haven and Waterlooville, which like every ex Pompey player seems to do in their in their <laughs> swan song years. And he's now at Gosport Borough. So like I don't think he's I'm not sure if he's still playing because it says on his on his thing here, 2018-2019. I think he's I think he made like Wolfsburg. one appearance. So maybe he just didn't want to travel too far away or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> But, yeah. but the other name, the other name from that that era that kind of stood out to me was Sergio Torres because like oh yes, what a legend! <laughs> they, so he was just like this yeah. weird player that came out of nowhere, but mm. it was like phenomenal. There's, there's a documentary about him about because he, he's Argentinian and he travelled to to the UK like just saying I want to make it as a footballer. I don't even care if I'm at the top. I just want to play football for a living. Um, and there's yeah, there's a documentary about him. I can't remember what it's called. I'm gonna have but, to yeah. see that out. And he's he's a complete legend here as well. Like he um in that cup run, our our first big game of that cup run was we played Derby, who I think were in the conference at the time, and they still had like Robbie Savage um as their captain. Mm. And when we beat them two one, and it was just like like there was a pitch invasion after it, and it was just like one of the best days. Um and he scored a, a winner in like the eighth minute of extra time something like that he was on the edge of the box from a corner um just came in and just like it was just <laughs> like the connect like just got this perfect connection on in it where it just yeah yeah into, the, into the, the top corner i was behind the goal as well when he scored it and it was just mad like so he's he's forever been like that i still remember that that day was i think it was the 10th of january because me and my yeah. friend used to refer to it every year as sergio day <laughs> we just used to remember it as this is this is Sergio Torres day and um, like we That's used to tweet, tweet him on it as well and he'd always reply like he was such a nice guy as I think like literally just again before we kind of um started oh, I've lost it now bear with me two seconds I was so I was just looking at yeah so I'm gonna try and get this up quickly so I think it's on Crawley's Twitter itself Oh, no, I can't find it. Oh, there we go. So that, like, on um, Crawley Town's own, like, Twitter page, <laughs> they're doing the 25 goals of Christmas. <laughs> and the one that came up for today was was that goal against Derby, which I think is quite, quite <laughs> good. Yeah. So very good for us recording mm. on today, talking about that. Just watch. I'm literally just watching his celebration. And it's so brilliant. He just like whips yeah. off his shirt. Whips off the shirt. But like around, all the players just like bundle well. him to the ground. Yeah. yeah, I remember running on the pitch after, and all the players like stayed on the pitch and were just celebrating with all the fans and that. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um. But obviously, like bringing it to modern days, they're having a another FA Cup run. But obviously, that mental game in the in the first round is one that yeah. was like stands out so you, like i remember you like messaging me being like you need to be looking at this yeah. sort of thing it was just, and just like what yeah. the fuck i i was um i remember i was out when the first half started and i wanted to get back to watch it and i had it i was in in the back of a, of a car waiting for waiting for us to to go home and i got it up on iplayer because they've got all the fa cup games on iplayer just watching the first half and we're two nil down um and just being like, oh, for God's sake, and thinking that was basically it, um, and just like, you know, I saw I saw the first goal come back and got home, put it on. It was just mad, like the amount of times it looked like that game was beyond us. <laughs> yeah, it, end, it ended up like six five, I think. Yeah, I thought I thought like when we went two down again in extra time, after having gone one down still in normal time again and got it back, and I remember thinking, like the best we can do if we'd somehow lucky is get it to penalties but like it's <laughs> just to actually win it in normal time as well it's just mad yeah because i like i just remember like look, looking at the at the times and i was like it was like 90 plus 18 and all that because yeah. there was the injury to the geek yeah because yes the, yeah of course it went on for forever in uh like the, the 90 minutes went on f for for like another 20 yeah yeah because of the injury yeah and it was just like, yeah, one of those things. Like, it's it'll be one of those games that literally goes down in FA Cup history, just mm. because, like, for the 
pure batshit craziness yeah. of it. I mean, I almost feel bad for Torquay, but we're <laughs> 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 ahead so many times against a team that that should should have been going there and thinking this is like kind of a and not an easy win, but you know, like we should be winning this. But, yeah, um, yeah. But cup runs are just like they're the, the best thing as a small team. You know, they're like what you kind of dream about happening. And we've got we got Leeds in the next round at home as well. Yeah. So hopefully you can get fans back in the stadium for that. Yeah, because I, I think even like it's weird. Even like Leeds fans are kind of backing Crawley in a way. Because yeah. they, they've like said like, oh no, like we want to see like the underdogs kind of prevail. And there's a, there's a headline like in like the one of the, like the local Yorkshire papers, and it's like Leeds fans like react and say, "Tell Crawley, please buck the trend," which I think is quite funny. <laughs> well, I hope, um, hopefully, we can. That would be amazing, but I doubt it. I just want, I, I want to go. I want to go see like Bielsa in the flesh. You know. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, before we do move on, I, I'm going to put you a bit on the spot, but I always ask like. Is, do you think there's a player like throughout like history within Crawley that kind of embodies like the punk ethos at all? Mm. I guess in a way you could say Sergio Torres, but but to to mention someone who hasn't been mentioned, my and this is basically me just picking one of my favourite players of that era, is uh, we had this centre back called Pablo Mills, and um, he was just just such a like solid figure for us through those years, like doing the kind of, you know, important work in defense. Um, and, and I just remember it being a thing every year, like every summer, he might not start the first couple games or like there'd be like this doubt about him because supposedly anytime we weren't playing, he, he, he put on weight and become like too like, like the club would tell him he's too overweight to, to <laughs> and when he got injured and things like that to, to, you know, but as soon as the season started again, he'd get like right back on it and come back out. Um, so yeah, so he's he's someone that always like just you know I always remember as as uh, being uh, you know because he was he was like a proper tough centre back as well you know yeah yeah um, and kind of the he was against he was he was uh, usually with Carl McFadden who was who was younger than him um, and and used to play for like. England's C team or something. Um, I think he was their captain actually, but he was like the kind of more more flashy one. He was the one who would go up for corners and score goals and stuff. Right. Whereas whereas Pablo was the one that was was back doing the you know the grafting. Doing the hard <laughs> grafting. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. And, uh, yeah. Just always respected him. And Torres again, the Argentine who put his own air ticket to England to try his luck in this country. What seven years ago. Wrote his name large in Crawley Town and FA Cup folklore. With right, so to end things as always, we are bringing punks on the pitch, literally, uh, with our, our fantasy starting 11. Um, so, George, what is your, your team name? Um, so, I ba- basically just want to call it like Doom or just Doom United, <laughs> basically, because what I've, done, <laughs> cool. what I've done is is got. It's all doom metal vocalists. Oh, okay, cool. I <laughs> yeah. like that. So I've I've thought about it a bit, like in terms of where they're playing and everything. I want it. I want it to be a good team. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, right. So w- what's your formation then? So I've gone for a four-two-three-one, which I know is kind of the generic formation in football at the moment. But I feel like it's quite a versatile one. Like you can easily adapt it. it can become a a four-four-two or a four-four-three-three on the fly where you need it to. You know. So yeah, it's it's a good one. I think good all rounder. Okay. Kind of replaced four four two as like the default formation. I feel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right. So as always, we start in goal. So who's who's between the sticks? So this is the one where I kind of leave, leave the doom a little bit because I've got Dax Riggs from Acid Bath. Okay. I didn't want to go for too much. I mean, they were doom. They were obviously a lot more than that Acid Bath, but I didn't want to go too much. For too many like sludge bands i wanted to try and keep it like traditional doom but i feel I, I don't know why i just had this feeling that like with the energy in his vocals i'm, th- I'm going more of performance than what the the 
people you know behind the performances are actually like <laughs> i feel like with his energetic kind of performances i just have a feeling that he'd make a good goalkeeper yeah that's fair <laughs> that's enough no idea why but yeah uh who's who's your back four then okay so um so i've got back four starting on the left so left back is brett campbell from paul bearer nice right back is mike from yob and then i've got a center-back pairing of the two most famous candlemas singers because I just think oh, okay. it's hilarious to see them together, <laughs> and they're obviously <laughs> yeah. going to have that that similar, um, you know, know-how. Obviously, wouldn't have performed together. But um, so you got Johan, who was on their first album and their most recent album, and then um, Messiah, who was obviously like the kind of iconic one with the big bushy hair and wearing the robes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I like that. I like that idea. Like, because even though they, I was to say, you wouldn't they wouldn't have been in the band at the same time, like they're kind of with the same musicians so would have like that controlling presence of of a vocalist and and i'm thinking of those those big powerful vocals just like in physical in if you were to like manifest that in physical form it'd be it'd be for me in my mind it would be a big solid center back (laughs) 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 cool who have we got in the midfield then so I've got uh, the two, the two, the, the double pivot, I guess, the, the two CDMs. Um, so I've come from um, Daniel Droste, I think that's how you pronounce it, from Ahab. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like he does, he does those deep guttural growls well, but he also does nice, like quite clean vocals now and then. So I feel like that makes him quite versatile. He'd be quite good at, at the, doing the hard work and winning the ball back, but also the creative side of it. So I've thought about this. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I've it, also I like gone it. for uh, Dorothea from Windham because I feel like again quite dynamic you know powerful vocals but also um, quite subtle at the same time um, yeah so and then um, so in front of them in the 10 I've gone from Sarah I, I can't find a surname online but Sarah from from Mesa the Italian doom band oh yeah yeah um, I get like I'm thinking you want a creative player in there they're very different creative band very powerful powerful vocalists like she's a big part of their sound the kind of like jazzy influences they have so i feel like that's a, a, a cool one to have in there as well and then with the wingers i was gonna have um scott kelly and then also put steve on till from neurosis on each wing again for yeah. something with a candle mass like they'd have an understanding um but i've gone for putting scott kelly on there and then put, i'll put him on the right and then put in um, Chris from King Woman, Christina from King Woman um, on the left. And then up front, I've got Al from Sleep and Om. Oh, okay, cool. I, I see him as being a, a good at holding up the ball. Don't know why. <laughs> um, he can finish as well if he needs to. Kind of, kind of a yeah, target yeah. man, I guess. Yeah, oh, that's what I was just about to say. He's, yeah. he's a big man. He's going to hold the ball up Yeah, exactly. and, and play it off. I like it. I don't, <laughs> I like that there's a like a through through line. I like that you've clearly yeah. put thought into this. So. I did think about who was playing where. Yeah, <laughs> maybe too that's, much. <laughs> but no, but that's the thing. Like that's why I wanted to do this because I like, mm. like I've started seeing like the people who are bringing these teams together. They're thinking about like the creativity of the artists and like mm. how that could translate onto the pitch. And I think yeah. we're starting to see some really like creative and unique teams in this which is really mm-hmm. cool and like i just i'm because i'm like when i'm posting them like i'm tagging mm-hmm. the bands in them and some yeah. of the bands are like being really responsive to it which is That's really cool, cool. So i'm sure some of them are a bit like what is this <laughs> yeah yeah probably do i have to come and play football now <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the best one did you see the exchange i had with um andy williams from no. every time i die no that's insane so he got picked like he's been picked like three or four times now yeah so like i tagged him and i was like i think you need to come on the podcast (laughs) and he literally responded was like i know nothing about football what is all this (laughs) and like everyone was just like basically people think you're hard as fuck and he was like oh okay yeah cool (laughs) which i thought was, was really fucking funny if we could like genuinely make these teams a reality i just think it'd be hilarious I'd be interested. I mean, you would win as well. Yeah, I think like 
if this podcast ever gets big enough <laughs> and I get some clout, then I'll make like a charity tournament and we'll charity five aside tournament of like actual musicians. That'd be insane. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll make it happen. Perfect. Right, George, as always, an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm sure we'll speak again soon, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks.